into like pajamas and then I make sure to have a change of clothes when I arrive at the airport and like my toothbrush is like accessible and all of that so I can change so I I feel like cleaner but I feel like more human until I at least get to the hotel yeah I do it all the time I've never done that myself I feel like I'm like way too self-conscious but like yeah especially for international flights people just like have they like change into pajamas on the plane and I don't know I just don't really have the (laughs) the planning fortitude for like multiple outfits I don't do it on the plane because those bathrooms are small but I do do it before like I'll look at my watch and be like all right I have like an hour before recording so I'm gonna go change so then I change into like sweatpants and like a t-shirt or something and then when I land I always like the first thing I do is I usually go through security, find my bag, and then I go into the bathroom and I change there into like jeans and a shirt. And, you know, you do like the brush your teeth and dry shampoo and deodorant and all that. So you at least like are like, I'm human. Mm -hmm. I'm human enough until I get to the hotel where I can shower. Yeah. So that's what I, that's just a trick that I've learned from all the times I've had, I've gone to like England and like flying back for school and stuff to see Mm -hmm. family. Just like, yep. And then on the way home, I usually don't change because <laughs> I always have like an afternoon flight. So I'm like, oh, I'm fine in like my jeans and my t-shirt. Right. It's whatever. I feel like it's like more okay now because athleisure is a thing to like mm-hmm. ride, go on planes or other kinds of transportation and like lounge pants. Yeah. I feel like it's not really looked down as much as it, like maybe a few years ago. So. And with COVID, it's like you just want to be comfortable. That's my thing. Where I'm like, I just want to, like I'm on a on a flight with like right. tons of other people. I'm probably gonna be sandwiched in between like two like big people. Like I just wanna wear like comfortable clothes and watch my movies and just like try to sleep. Like that's mm-hmm. that's all I'm asking for. Mm-hmm. Cause I always get near like it's so annoying. Cause if I try to like look cute, I always get near like an elderly couple that thinks that like I'm adorable. But if I look like crap, I'm always like near like the cute like guy. So I'm like, what? Right. What is this? Maybe the cute elderly couple will set you up with their grandson. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> I also just try to like be nice to everybody in my row because I'm like, I don't want to be that person. So if you need to like get around me, just let me know. Right. Because I'm always in the aisle. Comfort really is key, especially it with is. a long flight that can like ruin your trip if you're uncomfortable. Yeah, I'm always just like, no, I just rather just let me wear my sweatpants. Let me wear my athleisure. I don't care. I'm also at the point where I'm like, I am almost 30 and I just don't care anymore. Right. (laughs) Like the caring, the caring, especially when I'm traveling and I'm like, I just want to get there and like make sure everything goes well. And then I'll think I'll worry about that later. Yeah, especially if you're traveling by yourself, like that's not really one of the main things to have to worry about is what you're wearing. No. No. Not at all. Uh, Now I want to travel. Now I'm thinking of France. (laughs) Uh, Oh, yeah. Have you uh, guys figured out, like, your honeymoon situation yet? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know if I updated you. Yeah, so it's all set. We have the deposit in and everything. Where are you going? (laughs) Um, It starts in Paris. Then it goes to... uh, Mm. Pro- Provence is the same as Avignon. I think Avignon is in Provence. I think Provence like a region. So it's three different places. Paris, Avignon, 
And then what's the other? Dave! <laughs> what's the third place or second place we're going to on the honeymoon? Paris. Oh, Nice. That's nice. So, oh, maybe that's the order. Yeah, it ends at Nice. So Paris, Avignon, Nice. That's so. exciting. And that's in May? Yes, mid-May. Yeah. Yay. So. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, that was that was a little stressful to try to figure it out. So it's basically like a planned tour, but it's not a group tour, which is oh, what nice. I was trying to avoid. Yeah. So they have a they have an itinerary for us. We basically just need to meet up with people. And we're flying into Paris, but we're flying out of Nice. So that we're taking a train that's supposed to be nice, like a kind of express type train or something like that for longer distances. So that'll be fun. But yes, that's should be good. And we made sure to get insurance, traveler's insurance. So. Yay. Congratulations on being an adult for that one. Yeah, I, yeah, basically just because like things are kind of precarious still traveling, it's like you basically need to get insurance now. Uh, so yeah, hopefully everything works out. Also, on a separate note, what is behind you on Dave's desk? Because it looks like a doll from where I'm looking, but I'm pretty sure it's not. Um, I think that's a lamp. Okay. <laughs> it looks like it's a little creepy behind you for some reason. This is my microphone. Mm-hmm. That, the, like, white and black circle. Yeah. Yeah, it's a desk lamp. Okay. <laughs> It looks like a really creepy doll. I was going to say, he doesn't have any tchotchkes really on his desk. <laughs> yeah, okay, I see it now. Because I'm looking at it and I'm like, that's new. And then I'm like, wait, what is that? No, we still need to put up a lot of like decorative things. The walls are pretty bare here. Yeah. We'll get to it. All right, well, everyone, welcome back to another episode of Oi with the Terror Already. I'm one of your hosts, Sandra. I'm your other host, Danielle. And we are excited because this is episode 27. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> Which is crazy that we've been doing this for 26 plus episodes. Oh, I was, uh, I saw some of Dave's like family members over the weekend. Oh, and boy. Now some of them know about the podcast who didn't know about it before. <laughs> so, yeah. One of them was like, oh, how many episodes do you have so far? And I said, 26. And she was like, oh, wow. Yeah. I keep getting that, too. Where they're like, how many episodes? And I'm just like, I think we're on, like, 25, 26. Right. And they're like, oh, okay. So. The 25th anniversary. We didn't celebrate. We did not. I don't know. That's a thing. I don't know. I feel like it's it's more like maybe, like, I don't know. I feel like 50 for some reason is, like, a big okay. number. Maybe we'll do something for our 50th. How do you celebrate that? I don't know. Maybe we can do like team up and do like a joint a joint story or something. You do like the history and I do like the creepy stuff. We do have an idea for the Halloween time. We do. For a juicy story. We but... do. Mwahaha. You guys will just have to keep listening. And although Halloween is not that far, so that's yeah. also kind of scary how not far it is from now yep also your wedding which yeah i had that moment last week where i was like oh yeah her wedding is in like exactly a month that's insane yeah so what we were at the castle the venue a few weeks ago for a tasting and um i was talking to the coordinator there and she was saying that 
someone just got married a few weeks ago who was like dead set on a fall wedding, but mm-hmm. she had to postpone hers three times apparently because of COVID. So Jeez. they ended up getting married in June, but she was so dead set on the fall theme that they found pumpkins from somewhere and had it at their wedding. <laughs> She was so the wedding planner person's like, yeah, there basically basically aren't any rules right now with weddings. People just do what they want. Yeah, I meant to ask you, and I don't know why I've <laughs> never asked you this before, but like, do you and Dave have a theme? Not really, just basically purple. Yeah, like I could tell from like the dress. Sort of rustic. Yeah. But not really like barn mm-hmm. level of rustic. Yeah. I guess. It's funny because when I went last week to get my dress altered, the woman took one look at the dress and she was like, oh, this is such a pretty dress. This color is so popular this year. And I was like, oh, "Oh, I didn't think it would be this popular. And she's like, oh, yeah, every girl is having this color. And I was like, "Okay." It might be because apparently a big thing with colors and dresses and stuff is like dusty mm-hmm. so i think the mauve might be considered the type the color of the dress yeah. is dark mauve but it might be considered like dusty purple but i think a big color now is like a blush type mm-hmm. color or dusty rose or something like that so yeah i don't really know how popular purple is right now but just so you know when you are going to be in my wedding because you are well you don't have to be but i will ask you <laughs> is that a threat <laughs> No, not a threat. It's more just like I'm giving you like a few years heads up. So you know, my I think honestly for bridesmaids, I'm just gonna be like, look, y'all just find a cute black dress and some red heels or red shoes and just call it a day. Okay, that shouldn't be hard. Because I'm just like, nope, I want it to be easy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care. Just make sure it's a black dress with like a blood red hmm. heel or a blood red shoe and just. Oh wow, done. that's like gothic-y of you a little bit well i figured it's like simple and easy yeah yeah and then okay like all of you girls can pick like whatever style just works best for you and also yeah. thank you for picking a style that has sleeves because <laughs> i i hate like the strapless dresses mm. they're just no yeah i personally uh i, I think i only own one strapless dress mm-hmm. so yeah i've never really been into them and I don't really know how other people feel about them, so. Yeah. I had to wear one for my sister's wedding, and it was, like, my brother-in-law, one, my ex-brother-in-law at one point, like, went to, like, pick me up to twirl me, like, around, and let's just say it almost ended in a disaster. <laughs> oh, my God, to twirl you around. Yeah, he, like, picked me up, and he was, like, going to spin me around, and I was, like, don't you dare. <laughs> he was really drunk at that point, and I was not, and I was, like, Dad, don't you, don't you dare. Like, don't. So, yeah, there was almost, like, an incident where I almost flashed the entire wedding. <laughs> wow. That's so funny. So, yeah. Anyway. Oh, you're so small. You're constantly getting twirled by people. I, I am. I'm getting twirled by these guys. Everyone like, just goes up to, may I twirl you? Yep. Uh, yep. I wonder how many people are going to try at your wedding. <laughs> Hopefully none. <laughs> that would be so creepy. Just some random person. Yeah, I don't foresee that. No. Nope. nope, I don't. No. No, no. And if they do, I'm going to be like, no. <laughs> Listen, no. You might be uh, lifted up into a chair. Oh, are we going to do the fun, like, the fun thing that we do? 
or that I saw at, like everyone's bat mitzvah or bar mitzvah where they do like the is it like the chair we thing? We are thinking about doing that. Yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> As long as the people that are holding up the chair at this point are still relatively sober. Right. So that might be a thing. Ooh, I feel like Leslie and I would do that. Maybe Michaela. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe even. Maybe. Maybe all of us would do it. Yeah, I could see them, like, if it's, like, near the end of the night being like, yeah. Yeah. Amanda. I can see Amanda, too. Shout out to all of your other bridesmaids. That would be funny. So... Ways of the week. Yeah. Do you want to go first or do you want me to? Sure. I can think of an actual not wedding related one this time. Yay. So yeah. So it's not really like that big of a thing, but sort of a nuisance. So yeah, basically my phone is apparently dying or something. Like overall, everything seems to be working except for the texting. Mm -hmm. I noticed this a few months ago where it was just Dave Whenever I tried texting him, it would literally, the texting app would just crash. Like I would open it, type in his name, and it wouldn't even let me type in a message. It would just like die. So I was like, that's strange. Why? <laughs> it's not like a weird app. It's just the texting messages, whatever. It's a, I have a Samsung Galaxy S8. So it's not even like old, old, I don't think. So yeah, so I was like, okay, that's weird. Can't text Dave. So then we both are on WhatsApp anyway. So just mm-hmm. using that. But then I realized I have that issue with apparently now three other people, including you. Yeah. <laughs> like I tried texting my supervisor a question when she was in the office and I never got a response. Then la- the next time I saw her, I asked her about it. She was like, oh yeah, I responded. Didn't get anything. Didn't apparently I get some of your texts, but not all of them, which I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. and then the wedding photographer is the other person, oh, which no. I'm like, that would be good to be able to talk to her. Especially since she's not good yep. at communicating. I know. I was like, okay, to begin to start off with, she's bad at communicating, but on top of that, my texting isn't working, so not good. And yep, so basically, I actually did order a phone today, so it should be coming in like a week or two. Good. So as an insider tip, I actually didn't know this. My dad told me to just go to Samsung's website, and there I don't know if it's always like this or if they're having a special sale or something, but buying it from the Samsung site was $100 cheaper than getting it like just through AT&T. Oh, wow. Which I was like, interesting. <laughs> okay. And I got, uh, it's called like Unlocked. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it should work with different carriers because I'm on still my parents' plan. I might switch to Dave's later on. So if you get it unlocked, there shouldn't be any issues or whatever. Yes, I'm excited for, I should get it in about a week. So that'll be good. <laughs> that will be good. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Cause I, I could kind of tell with like a text that you sent like last week. And I was like, but I texted you and you were like, right. yeah, my phone's being weird. I didn't get it. And I was like, oh. So now I know I'll just, I also have WhatsApp, so I can just WhatsApp you if that's oh, easier. Oh, okay, that's yeah. good. Yeah, I was, my thinking was either force everyone to get WhatsApp or buy a new phone. So yeah. new I, phone. Have, I have WhatsApp, so. Right. <laughs> yeah, so I can definitely, I'll just use that from now on until you get your new phone. But it's just so funny that we text each other almost every day. And mm-hmm. I actually do remember a few months ago, there was another text from you I don't think I got, but most yeah. texts I do 
yeah, it's just something's weird with my messaging app, I guess. I feel like it's like back when we were kids and we'd be like home from college and you would be like, you have to call me on the landline or like you have to Facebook message me because our service in our hometown like was horrible back then, especially where you lived. Yeah. So like it was more reliable for Facebook message or to just call your parents. phone. Just be like, can I just speak to Danielle? Just make this easier. Yep. Okay. And now thanks. it's like you only get a call if there's some news. I know. Or if yeah. telemarketer. Oh, yeah, that's so bad now. Yeah. Like, I use that. I have to do that for work because I have to, like, obviously call people. And let me tell you, there are a lot of people that still have home phone numbers, but they don't Mm. pick them up. (laughs) They just let it go to voicemail. So I'm always just like, yeah, can you just give me a call back? Thanks. So I had to man the phone line for Mm -hmm. my work on Friday. I'm not, like... (laughs) So I'm basically third in line to answer the phone if anyone calls my mm-hmm. like department, I guess. And one person is retired. The other person who's replacing her hasn't started yet. And the person who's mainly been doing it is out Fridays. So they told me, oh, it's the Friday before Labor Day. You may get like a few calls, two or three. And I was like, okay, cool. I think I got eight calls. <laughs> I basically got one call an hour. And I was like, I'm not prepared for this. So you have to fill out this call log spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. So it's like there are notes on what mm-hmm. the they were asking for, who they are. Yep. And the day before, two calls. Day before that, three calls. And I wrote down six. I was like, really? Of course. Because like there were some that um, if they're voicemails, you don't record it on the call log. You only like do live calls. So yeah. I was just like, and almost basically every person asked me something different. I think I did okay overall, but I was just getting overwhelmed because it was my first time manning it. Yeah. Basically all day, like trying to do live calls, and then there were so many people. So, yep. I don't know. Yeah. Tomorrow when I talk to my supervisor, I'm going to be like, um, maybe. <laughs> and no one else was working that day. So I couldn't, like, at no one person left early. My supervisor wasn't in, and then the other people who usually do the calls weren't in. So there wasn't really anyone, like, I could ask for an immediate response. <laughs> right. It was more just like, did you just, like, were you able to answer the questions, or did you just end up transferring them? It was mainly just me directing them to, like, another phone number for other types of, yeah, questions that weren't really related to us. Or, like, I had to help this one guy who was older log into his uh, his account on our website. <laughs> and then we ended up, like, he ended up talking to me for basically 10 minutes after about how he's, like, retired. And how he was worked in IT for 42 years. And, and I was like, okay. <laughs> Yay. So, but, yeah, I mean, no one who called in was really annoyed or mad mm-hmm. or anything at least that's like my worst fear with like customer service stuff so yeah it's it's fun when they get mad and then you're like let me transfer you to my manager yeah let me transfer you to my supervisor let me transfer you to anybody else because mm-hmm. you don't like the answer that I'm giving you right now yeah. honestly I think any everyone should work in a customer service job for at least a year to, oh yeah just to, to gain some empathy so you can be like the nice caller yeah. from the other person on the other line and they can get off the phone and be like oh wow that was really pleasant that made my day thank you because yeah 
I know. Phone calls. Phone calls are the worst. I, I hate. That's the one part of my job where I'm like, also, I think like our generation just hates talking to people on the phone in general. Yep. So, and if we're bad, like the people that I deal with that are younger are worse. Yep. So it's like, this is not, this is not a good, a good recipe. I know. I feel like unless I'm calling my parents or grandparents, I'm basically not really used to talking to people on the phone at this point. And yep. it's funny when I started at this job, um, whenever I had to ask the IT person a question, I would just message them on Teams. Mm-hmm. Apparently, she really likes talking on the phone. So I would like ask her a question or say something on Teams to her. And then her response would be calling me back to tell me. So whenever she would call me, I'd get like terrified. Like, oh my God, who? <laughs> As I'm just used to people just messaging each other now. Mm-hmm. Like, but yeah, I guess some people still prefer talking on the I don't mind it like sometimes it can make like things faster and easier yeah. than going back and forth like through through email but also sometimes I'm just like this conversation's not gonna go well mm-hmm. so yeah all right so I guess my oi of the week was a lift ride that I took last week I took it on Wednesday, which is National Moving Day in Boston, where everybody is moving. So the traffic mm-hmm. is insane. And we also were getting really bad weather that day. So my lift ride from work to, oddly enough, the dress tailoring place, which should have taken 15 minutes, yep. took like 35 because okay. <laughs> the app that I guess the driver was using was causing him to go like really weird ways. And I actually hmm. had to correct him like two times to be like, no, you can go this way or no, you can go that way. And yep. I got to the point where the Lyft app actually messaged me and was like, hey, we see that you're not going the way you should. Do you need help? Oh, wow. And I was like, what? And I kept like checking and I'm like, no, I'm, I'm just going like we're just going a weird way to avoid all the, all the traffic. But I was just like, I've never gotten this message from Oh, my God. Before. And then I was like, I didn't know that was a thing. I was like, do I need help? Like, am I? <laughs> do I? Oh, my God. Like, what do I do? I'm in a car and it's raining oh and I can't get out. Oh so God. it was like a little bit scary, too. And then finally, we like pull up to the place. And I was just like, thank you so much. Like, I hope you have a good rest of your night. And I felt really bad because it wasn't really the driver's fault because yeah. they're just following like the app. But at the same time, I was just like. I hate September 1st because that's – I just hate it. So that's my, well, my I'm fun. I'm glad you didn't get kidnapped. I know. Me too. That's crazy. I never knew the app did that. Like if something looks suspicious, it's almost like a safety precaution. Yeah, basically. Because huh. I've gotten that and I've also gotten like the message that's just like, do you feel safe in your dra- in your ride? Oh. If not, like here's how you can contact 911. And I was like, it's great that Lyft has these things. But at the same time, I'm like – doesn't really make me feel good when they pop up and I'm fine. Right. So, but I guess like because of the incidents with Uber and Lyft and everything, they are trying to do everything they can to keep their passengers safe, which is great. And their drivers too. But it's just a little disconcerting when you're like, no, I'm fine. But thank you. I think. I know. So, but eventually it was fine. But it was just like, I should have planned for it to take like an extra 20 minutes. I forgot that traffic and rain and moving is just like a bad it's just perfect storm to try to get mm-hmm. anywhere. So are you petting Georgia or Tim? Tim. They both walked in together. They do this uh, thing where they walk next to each other around the house. That's so cute. It's like an old married couple. <laughs> it's really funny. The other day, what day was it? Uh, I don't know. One of the days last week, 
was working from home and I went upstairs into the bedroom and they were both like sitting next to each other on top of the bed. Oh. Actually, Georgia was like leaning into Tim and they were like laying there. It was pretty cute. That's so cute. Oh, at least I get along. I know. Yeah. It's so funny. Yeah. I think Tim kind of puts up with it, but yeah. he seems okay. I think Tim is like the older brother. That's like, yeah. I can't believe he brought this home, but whatever. All right. So I guess I'll, am I starting? I'm starting this week. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So mine, so I don't even remember how I found this. So that's always fun. Um, I think I was just Googling like, cause I'm trying to pick like different states. So I'm trying not to pick like more than one story from a state that I've already talked about. And so I picked New Jersey and I was going to do the Jersey devil, but I kind of feel like everyone does that. So I wanted to pick a little bit more of like an obscure one. Um, so I picked Annie's Road, which is in which is located in the town of Tottawa in Pasic, I think P A S S A I C um, County in New Jersey. And basically, um, supposedly her ghost has been around for a while. So there have been rumors of ghosts and apparitions that have been reported on this specific road back as far as, I guess, colonial days. Um, There are different legends associated with the road, and the road is called Riverway Drive. Um, It's 20 miles long, and it's packed with different paranormal activities and experiences that many drivers have had through the past decades. And it's also a local um, favorite for the paranormal enthusiasts, and they go and they try to check out the road. And they try to see if they can see this girl, Annie. There are many different stories of the legend of Annie. So it is kind of similar to the white lady that we discussed like way back in the beginning Mm -hmm. in Connecticut. It's basically, they're not sure how long that they've been able to see this ghost. Some say this happened in the 60s. Some say it happened back in colonial days. They're not really sure. So there's different versions. I was able to find two of the most common So one version of the story, um, it says it happened back in the 1960s and a couple was driving down the road when they got into a huge fight, which led to the man opening the car door and throwing his partner, the girl, out the door. Mm. So she was alone and scared and injured and she began wandering the street only to be hit by a truck and she died on the spot. And even after when she was hit by the truck, uh, her dress got really tangled in the car And she was dragged along the road and essentially it removed her face because of how she was dragged. So that's one version that I found. Another version of the story that I found is that a girl was stood up at prom. She decided to get drunk and she walked along the side of the road. She was then mowed down by a car full of her high school, like not friends, but obviously like other people who were at the prom. Mm -hmm. And she supposedly now haunts the road at 2 a.m. So if you drive on with the headlights, um, you get like a very eerie feeling. And apparently this also happened near a graveyard and the graveyard is supposed to glow. Also alongside of the road is a guardrail that's painted red, supposedly where she died. And on the eve of her death every year, people have said that her deranged father returns to repaint it and to meet with his daughter once more. She's also supposedly buried in the graveyard that's near the road, and her spirit guards all of the other people walking along the road. 
Um, at times, she'll even appear to speeders to warn them of what happened and to kind of stop them from speeding. So basically, ever since this accident, which people are debating between colonial times and the 1960s, um, it is said that unexplainable stains of red paint appear on the road each year around the time to mark Annie's death. Um, some say that she is actually looking for revenge um, and will pick kind of certain targets and target them and appear. And many people report seeing her on the side of the road as if she's hitchhiking. And her apparition is so clear that many people actually believe she's real until she disappears in front of their eyes. So I found it's really interesting. And another reason I kind of picked this was because once again, it's kind of the tale that I see a lot um, trying to find these stories of just like, oh, here's like a random ghost on the side of the road. Like maybe she's a hitchhiker. Maybe she's from colonial times. And I think it's just weird how it seems like every state has at least one or two mm. that kind of like haunts the area. So again, it's also strange that I was able to find that it's happened in colonial times, but may have happened in the 60s. So nobody really knows. But now it's such a part of the town that everybody knows that it exists. So if anyone who lives in New Jersey knows about this, please let us know because it's an interesting story. And I, could, I couldn't really find too, too much on it. Um, I was really only able to find those two versions. But it's also really creepy, again, to be driving at like 2 a.m. and to see like just like a spirit hanging out on the side of the road. And if she's like there to warn you or if she's there to like target you, it's also kind of creepy as well. So yeah. It's sort yeah. of similar to the flannel guy from Massachusetts. Yeah. yeah yep. the cautionary hiking tale. Yeah. Also, the one, the prom one is also like a message like, this is why you don't drink to your teenagers. Yeah. Or decide to like walk home from the prom, mm -hmm. like walk by like a graveyard. Like, it's just a little bit of like, it is also. A caution yeah it's a cautionary tale as well so it's on one of those things where it's like did it actually happen or is it just like a right here's a cautionary tale to tell the kids to like scare them shitless so to speak yeah they don't do something but they're gonna do it anyway because they're teenagers so and also i think the deranged father part was kind of creepy i couldn't really find anything else on it but like i'd understand oh yeah needing that like closure but it's also like is the father still alive? Mm. Is it his ghost that comes back? Like, I couldn't really find anything, like, clear on that either. It just said that her father comes back and, like, tries to connect with her, which mm. is interesting as well. So, and a little creepy. Yeah. But to each their own, I guess. So, yeah. That is what I picked for this week. <laughs> okay. So, I guess, should I just go into mine? Yeah, because I don't think we shared hints either, so. No. <laughs> Yeah, this was like slightly rushed. I have no a idea. little. Yeah, so I, have, I have no clue. Yep. Pretty different than the other types of topics I've chosen before. 
Um, it does take place kind of around the same time. No, this is earlier. I was going to say, I sort of, it reminded me, some parts of it kind of reminded me of um, Bonnie and Clyde. Mm-hmm. But this has to do more with, like, the Wild West. Okay. I think Bonnie and Clyde were, like, different parts. Maybe there was some intersection. I don't know. But, um, so, yeah, this is about two classic outlaws from the Wild West. All right. So, initially, I I think this might be the first time where I, I heard about these people is from the 1969 movie with Paul Newman and Robert Redford. And the movie is called Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Okay, it sounds familiar, but I feel like I remember it more because of the Sundance Kid part for some reason. Well, so Robert Redford played this uh, Sun Sundance Kid. I don't know if the, the Sundance Kid. And for whatever reason, I don't know if he like really enjoyed it or if that's just where his career like launched, but... Then he started the Sundance Film Festival, which is like a reference from when he played the character Sundance Kid. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And there's also like a Sundance movie channel that's like by Robert Redford as well. I like Robert Redford, so I like this stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I really like movies from like the 60s and 70s and Robert Redford was in some classic ones. And then Paul Newman. So them together in one movie in the 60s is like, I have to watch this. Remind me to tell you about a trailer I just saw for a new movie coming out. I feel like it's right up like you and your parents, Allie. Like, I feel like it's the oh, parent. It's like it's- a class older classic vibe or something. Yes. <laughs> Wait, is it like new or old? It's new. It's coming oh, out okay. this year. But it's got like that like old classic vibe, like yep. independent movie theater feeling that oh, I feel like... Okay. Like, I don't know, I saw the trailer and I was just like, Danielle's parents would love this. <laughs> like, um, it looks really good, but I'm also just like, oh, Danielle and her parents love this movie. So I'll, mm. tell, I'll tell you about it. Yeah, I feel like I'm like really bad at keeping up to date with what the new movies are, unless it's like a Marvel movie and then it's like everywhere in the news. I don't really. Oh, there is a new Wes Anderson movie coming out I want to see, The French Dispatch. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know what else is like playing now that's good. I don't know the last time I went to a movie theater. It was probably before COVID, actually. I went today. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, I need to go soon. Yeah, yeah you've been to a few so far. I like going by myself. Like, it's just, I don't know. It's fun. It's like two hours of just like, I don't have to think about anything. With air conditioning. Yeah, and popcorn. Like, who says no to that? <laughs> anyway. Oh, yeah, we were talking about Black Widow. You were saying that was good. Yeah, it was really I'm good. Interested in that? It was mm. really good. Yep. Okay. Anyway, so Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid were members of the Wild Bunch gang, and one reason why the movie is considered such a classic is that at the end of it, there's a super dramatic shootout scene, and they basically make it look like Cassidy and the kid go out in a blaze of glory in Bolivia against these um, Bolivian officers in 1908. But that ending is actually was widely disputed by Butch Cassidy's family who believed him to live for decades after the legendary shootout. So the shootout did actually happen that they had in the movie, but a lot of people believe that uh, Butch wasn't actually killed in that. And he lived for a few 
years longer. So, so Butch Cassidy was known to be charismatic and jovial, and he was the leader of the Wild Bunch gang. But he was actually born Robert Leroy Parker on April 13th, 1866 in Beaver, Utah Territory. Um, his parents, Anne Giles and Maximilian Parker, were members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which I think equals Mormons. Okay, yep. I had to clarify. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I can't say that over and over. That's long. <laughs> Latter-day Saints is definitely one of their branches of Mormons. I don't think they're the intense ones, but... Oh, Okay. They are, like, part of the Mormon church, uh, I think. They might be. Okay, because I was wondering, why didn't they just write Mormons? They had to, like, specify. Uh, maybe. I'm trying to remember now. I know it's Mormons. I just yeah. don't know if they're part of, the like, the FLDS Mormon group or not. I can't remember. I don't think they are, oh. but I can't remember. But anyway. <laughs> oh, wait, I do have that clarification later on. Um, so yeah, I, I did write down, I guess his parents weren't the most devout Mormons. So, so when his, when Robert was eight, his family homesteaded a large ranch outside of Circleville, Utah. It was here where he learned to be a cowboy. Um, so his parents weren't the most devout Mormons, but there were rumors that they were involved in an illegal underground railroad where they were sheltering polygamous families from the U.S. government. While working as a cattle rancher, Bush met a man who would forever change his life named Mike Cassidy, who was another cowboy and an outlaw cattle rustler. At the age of 18, Robert left home, likely due to being on the run from crimes. He told his mother there wasn't much of a future for him in Utah and things weren't exciting enough for the life he wanted. In 1889, he entered into a life of crime robbing banks. A witness actually recalled seeing Bush training his horse to stand calmly while he would run towards it and jump onto the horse. Um, Bush and his friends designed special leather bags that could carry all the loot they got. It was at this point that Bush developed the name Bush Cassidy. He, the reason for why he chose the name Butch was because he temporarily worked at a butcher shop, apparently, and then Cassidy was in honor of that cowboy friend he made before. In 1896, after a stint in jail, Butch went back to his old ways. Shortly after this, Butch met the stoic and handsome Eastbourne cowboy turned outlaw, Harry... Longabach, Longbach, aka Sundance Kid. Butch had a posse of outlaws at this point, and they developed a reputation of robbing banks and partying. Thanks to Butch's planning, I guess that's what he was well known for, his planning skills, planning and organizational skills, um, the Wild Bunch were able to pull off many robberies, and they averaged $35,000 per robbery. Despite their notoriety, in actuality, they apparently only robbed four banks, four express trains, and a coal company payroll office. But because they were building up this reputation, they were blamed for every robbery that took place in the Northwest. 
Although Patterson thinks the bunch only robbed from four banks. Oh, wait, I just said that. So according to Richard Patterson, a writer in Wild West magazine, Bookshire's meticulous planning was the main attribute for the gang's success. He, along with a few gang members, would spend days and sometimes weeks looking for a robbery site and planning the best escape route. They preferred the summertime for their holdups when the weather was better for eluding posses. Bookshire was known for avoiding the need to kill anyone. He would use a gun to scare off people, but was never known to have shot anyone during a holdup, which is sort of an interesting attribute to have for an outlaw. Mm-hmm. So the one time he did come close to hurting someone was the time when his gang used explosives to force entry into an express car. A few messengers on the express car were injured, but nothing that was considered life-threatening. The gang actually warned people before they set off the explosives, and then they would go hide behind the cargo. Powerful railroad companies wanted to stop books from stealing from their trains, And I think I mentioned them. This might be why I was thinking of Bonnie and Clyde, um, the Pinkerton Detective Agency. (laughs) So they're always on the case. And (laughs) a Pinkerton Detective, Charlie Seringo, Serigno, was hired by some insurance companies to tail the Wild Bunch. And the detective called Butch the most shrewd and daring outlaw that he ever met. Um, He followed the gang all over the West, posing as an outlaw himself so he could gain information on their whereabouts. Um, The Pinkerton agents got a big break courtesy of Butch himself. In 1900, some members of the Wild Bunch went to Texas to to pay a visit to their favorite brothels and blow off some steam. They had a formal portrait taken as a joke, and this was a mistake on their part because it finally gave the detectives an idea of what they looked like. Because no one had an idea, like they didn't know who to look for, so apparently they were always very cautious with having any records of like who they were they all different names so they had a portrait taken and now everyone had evidence basically so that wasn't a great idea and in the portrait there was Sundance Kid, Will Carver, Ben Kilpatrick, Harvey Logan who was known as Kid Curry and Butch Cassidy. A Wells Fargo agent recognized the outlaws I don't know. <laughs> I didn't really, I don't know if the Wells Far- Fargo agent was hanging out with the Pinkerton detective guy, but it seems like he maybe was like doing the same thing, like basically just trying to tail them. So a Wells Fargo agent recognized the outlaws when the photo was displayed in the photographer's office in Fort Worth. It was quickly taken and used on wanted posters displayed in the West. And the same year, 1900, Butch actually grew tired of having a life on the run. A lawyer claimed that Butch paid him a visit to see if he could get a pardon so he could actually settle down. But the lawyer told Butch that this was likely impossible. And I guess Butch's reaction was one of understanding, but he also seemed remorseful for having to remain on the run. So I guess he actually did want to try to slow down a little bit 
because he built up such a reputation, it was like very hard to just stop, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, the Wild Bunch's last major robbery was at the First National Bank of Winnemucca, Nevada on September 19th, 1900. According to Patterson, Bush was able to use his charms once again while planning and executing the robbery. A 10-year-old boy, Vic Budden, whose father managed the CS Ranch east of where the outlaws camped out, actually remembered Bush and said he was a likable man with a broad grin. The boy said the outlaws gave him candy, and when he told Bush how much he admired his horse, Bush responded that he would maybe give the boy the horse one day. A few days later, after the robbery, as three the three outlaws were changing out their horses to stay under the radar, basically when like people rob a bank and change their car, they were changing out the horses. So Bush was like, changing out his horse, and to stay under the radar... Bush told a cowboy in the area to give his horse to the boy at the CS ranch. So the last robbery was thought to help fund a new life for Bush and Sundance so they could leave the U.S. and go to South America, where they were hoping to evade the Pinkerton detectives and maybe the Wells Fargo guy. I just can't believe that, like, Wells Fargo is involved <laughs> I know, because, yeah, they have been around for that long. It's kind of funny. Yeah, they did have some kind of connection in the West. Like, I have Mm -hmm. no idea. But, yeah, that sounds like, I remember hearing something about that somewhere. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. I used to, I used to, like, bank at Wells Fargo, so it just kind of makes me (laughs) chuckle. Um, Yeah, they were, like, hunting outlaws or doing, just watching outlaws at one point, I guess. So in 1901, Bush and the Sundance Kid bought a property in Cholila, Argentina, under different names. Sundance's girlfriend, Etta Place, also joined them on their ranch. According to some, she was also Bush's unrequited love, but it seems like that was like a rumor, so I don't know. But I do remember in the movie with Paul Newman and Robert Redford, I feel like it's mainly most of the movie, uh, Robert Redford's character, the Sundance Kid, he always has this girlfriend with them. And there's this like really cheesy montage scene when like Paul Newman is like riding this weird bicycle with like the girlfriend. And then there's like this weird circus music in the background. And then they're like, la, la, la. And I'm like, this is really what they were doing. So I saw this in the research. Like, apparently the three of them really did live together for a little while. Maybe the movie also wrapped it up to be like, we need to attract, like, more people for the love interest bit. Yeah, they definitely did make it seem like that. Like, there were some scenes where Paul Newman was kind of, like, looking over longingly at the woman, like, oh, what could be? But then it's like, I mean, no one, probably no one really knows for sure. But, I don't know, maybe they were a thruple. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I mean, if Mormonism is involved, like, I really wouldn't... Mm. I don't know, because that would be, like, one man and two women. Never mind, I retract my statement. <laughs> yeah, so Butch Cassidy had the Mormon upbringing. It doesn't say anything. It just said that the Sundance Kid guy was from the East Coast. It doesn't say what his things were, or 
it doesn't i have even less details about um at a place so i don't know what her background was but yeah yeah i don't know maybe butch believed in that but yeah that is kind of an interesting theory i mean granted it's probably a little wrong because mormonism is like multiple wives so <laughs> so I, I retract my theory <laughs> who knows so yes Oh, uh, so apparently also around this time, one of Butch's, or right before they bought the ranch, one of Butch's uncles died and left him, it didn't say if it was today's money or back then money, but left him $30,000. So that sounds pretty good. (laughs) That sounds like it would be a crazy amount if it was like 30,000 in 1901, whatever that would be now, but Maybe it's 30000 today's money. I don't know. I didn't say, but yeah. Either, either way, that's, that's pretty know. good. So Butch took this money and used it to help fund the three of them. He used $10,000 to see more of the world. He visited different countries and cities until finding the spot for the ranch in South America. And Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid were eventually killed in Bolivia but there were alleged sightings of Butch after his death. This was shortly before the trio was accused of bank robberies in South American, South America. At a place, Sundance's girlfriend went back to the United States and basically fell into obscurity and no one like knows what happened to her after. Butch and Sundance left Argentina for Bolivia on November 6, 1908, it is believed the pair stole the payroll from a mining company's courier in San, San Vicente. I feel like that sounds Italian. Uh, San Vicente, Bolivia? Sure. I don't know. Something like that. A few days after this, the Bolivian cavalry surrounded the house where they were staying. A shootout ensued where a person thought to be Sundance was injured. Later that evening, soldiers heard two shots coming from inside the house and found two men dead with bullet wounds to their heads. The men were buried in a nearby Indian cemetery. When the news of their deaths landed in the United States, none of their friends believed that they could be dead. And the sightings of Bush started almost immediately. Bush's nephew, Bill... Bedinson, who wrote the book Butch Cassidy, My Uncle, recorded 20 well-documented sightings after 1908. In 1925, apparently Butch was seen driving a shiny new Ford and sporting his his characteristic grin, visiting family in Utah. His sister Lula Parker Bedinson claimed that he told the family of his exploits and kept in touch with them until his real death in 1937. Uh, For a long time, apparently another theory is that Spokane engineer William T. Phillips was actually Butch Cassidy, and Phillips encouraged the theory, writing his own book, Bandon Invincible, about the outlaw's exploits. He died... The same year that Butch's sister said that Butch died, which was 1937, but Lula, Butch's sister, claimed that uh, William Phillips was not the real Butch Cassidy. So it sounds like Phillips could have been an imposter. 
A historian, Larry Pointer, found two mugshots. One was of Butch Cassidy and one was of William Phillips from around the same time in Wyoming. It is likely that the two did serve time together in a penitentiary and that Phillips may have ridden with the Wild Bunch gang for a period of time. So it seems like they're... It was possible that they knew each other, but the fact that there were two mugshots means that it can't he can't be Butch Cassidy. Then in the 1990s, two bodies thought to be Butch and Sundance were exhumed in Bolivia, but DNA tests conducted by Clyde Snow, one of the nation's foremost forensic anthropologists, found that they were not the famous outlaws. According to Bill Bedenson, his family knew where his uncle was buried after his alleged death in 1937. And Bill's great-grandmother, Lula, said that the location of his burial was a family secret. And now he finally had a chance to rest after being chased for most of his life. Why were they in Bolivia? I don't know. It just seems like that's where they they wanted to leave the U.S. to stay away from the Pinkerton Asians and... It seemed like that was like maybe their retirement. They didn't want to do the robberies as much, whatever. But yeah, it seemed like they were just trying to live a different type of life and were in Argentina, then moved to Bolivia, and then got in trouble with the Bolivian cavalry. I mean, if you're going to go out with a bang, I guess that's the way to do it and confuse everybody. And you're like, we don't know. But yeah, it's like, the epitome of the legend of a classic Wild West outlaw. Like, there's so many characters with these crazy stories that you don't even know what's true and what isn't true. And then, unless there's some kind of, I don't know, documents or photographs that verify something, it's like no one really knows for sure what happened. Yeah. We have no idea. We'll never know. And the fact that they can't find their bodies, like... I don't know what that means. Maybe Butch Cassidy did, was hanging out in Utah in the 30s. Maybe. Maybe he, he died in the 30s. Maybe he, yeah. you know, fooled everybody. That's interesting. I've never, I've like heard of obviously like the Sundance Kid, but I didn't realize there was like a whole bigger story or a movie. So now I'll have to check that out. Yeah, the movie's good. I recommend it. So yeah, just... I just want to know why Bolivia. <laughs> maybe it was like, maybe it was considered like kind of like the Wild West of mm-hmm. South America. But yeah, maybe. there must have been something because apparently Butch was going around scoping out different areas. So it could have been like a place that didn't have a lot of laws or rules or. Yeah. But yeah, and then it's funny that Sundance's girlfriend leaves and goes back to the U.S. Apparently doesn't get killed. <laughs> doesn't get anything. Like, just disappears into, like, thin air. So it's like, what happened to her? She had a kind of exciting part of her life. Uh, maybe she was like, I'm tired of this. I want, like, a normal, normal <laughs> Immediately life. gets married. And pops out a few kids. Lives in a and, suburban town. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she's that neighbor that has, like, a secret past that you have no idea. And- yeah. She has, like, a notebook under her mattress and, like, the Sundance Kid. Yeah. Weird. Just weird. Mm. So, yeah, that's all I have. 
Thanks, everyone, for listening to another episode. We hope you enjoyed it. We have new episodes every Thursday, and you can find us on Stitcher. No, wait. How did I say that one first? No, no, we're on Stitcher. (laughs) Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else you listen. Yeah, I'm actually not sure if we're on Stitcher, actually. I don't know why I said that. (laughs) I don't know. I have no idea. And we have a Facebook page now. It's called Oi With The Terror already. We have an Instagram page where you can like and follow our posts. And that's called Oi With The Terror already. You can write in to us with suggestions or any kind of listener mail at already at gmail.com. And thanks to our new listeners. We've noticed that we have a few more like international and stateside. So thanks, guys. We really appreciate it. I guess we'll see you next time. Bye.